Hi, I'm Paul Gladder, and this is Religion Unplugged, an interview series about the impact of religion in public life around the world. So before coronavirus became a global pandemic and sent people to the stores to buy excess food, hand sanitizer, and toilet paper, thousands of Americans were preparing for such an event. In fact, some of us mocked them for being prepared. We called them preppers. Now, few Americans may be laughing at preppers. These so-called preppers aren't just prepared for COVID-19. Some of them are prepared for even more catastrophic events and have stockpiled food, guns, even motorhomes in multiple locations and created complex survival and escape plans. So in early March, I took a trip with our reporter Micah Danny to Colorado Springs, Colorado to report on a few different religion stories. While we were there, we met a family that has focused on being prepared. Some even might call them preppers. We discovered, though, that many of these families who have long cared about preparedness don't like the caricatures provided on cable TV or other media that mock their movement. And we also found that many of these people who are part of this movement do so from a theological or faith-based viewpoint on being prepared. So we sat down with Tim Bosch and his wife, Tide, to learn more. It was, a, it was, I think, the first year after I moved here from having lived in town, and now I'm living outside of town, and um, there was a huge snowstorm. So I went off the side of the road, and I was done. I wasn't going to be able to get out. And so with the one bar of telephone service I had, I called the, uh, the fire department and said, hey, if it's convenient for you guys, this is about where I am, if you can come get me. And, uh, and they did uh, later come get me. They travel in pairs in case one truck gets stuck, but they came and got me with, uh, uh, with four by fours with chains on all four tires. And I spent the night in a Red Cross shelter. Um, so I'm so thankful for all those people and all they did. But what that kind of taught me was that um, I wasn't really prepared to spend a few days in my vehicle. I think I had a couple water bottles and a power bar. Um, and that was kind of it. I didn't even have a candle in the vehicle. Um, and so as that snow packed into my air in- intake and the engine died, it started to get cold pretty fast. Um, and so that was kind of a, um, an eye-opener for me. Um, that's when I started kind of developing more of a mentality of, um, I'd like to be prepared for things. I'd like to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Um, there are communities, some of them kind of even advertise on, on Facebook and come join our group. Um, and so I think that's great. Um, that people kind of share skills and knowledge. Um, If somebody uh, kind of has a a desire to be more prepared but doesn't know where to start, they can find one of those groups and and people who have been there, done that, can kind of walk alongside them and guide them through that. I wouldn't think of myself as a prepper. Um, I don't know why. Uh, Just a term that I don't think applies really. Um, But I do think it gets back to the heart. Um, If we have a spirit of fear, um, that's not a good place to be, uh, whether you're prepared or not. If you have that anxiety, that's not a good place to be. And so we don't have anxiety, um, partly because we trust in the Lord and partly because um, He has allowed us to be somewhat prepared for some things. Now, we're not prepared for every little thing, um, but, uh, you know, if there's a huge snowstorm, we won't panic. Um, If Costco and Walmart run out of toilet paper for a few weeks, we won't panic. I don't really consciously think about how that's done because it's just part of what I do now. But I suppose it's, um, uh, you know, if I go to the store and we need 
uh, three cans of soup for a certain recipe, well, I'll buy four or five cans of soup. And if I do that two or three times in a row, now I've got extras. We can make that recipe without even going to the store because it's already there. It's kind of a simple, simplified example, but it's that kind of thing. Anything can happen. Right now we have this uh, coronavirus going around, and so stores are pretty much cleaned out of, of many things. And so uh, we're not stressed out about that because we have enough of those things to carry us for a few months if we need to. Tim described the connection he finds between living out these habits and being Christian. I think it has to do with, with the heart, right? Um, we don't go buy extra toilet paper or whatever it is um, because we have a spirit of fear. Um, but we just think it's prudent to be prepared. So, um, uh, so I spoke with a friend, you know, a friend I admire, and um, he kind of he kind of resists that and thinks maybe that you're not trusting God. Um, and so I asked him, "Well, do you wear your seatbelt?" He said, well, "Yeah, I do wear. I wear my seatbelt." And so my point there was that. Um, we don't wake up in the morning and stretch our arms up and expect a shirt to fall over our head and, and we're going to be clothed without doing any work ourselves. Um, and, so, and so, yeah, we trust God and we don't have any anxiety about it, uh, about that we're going to run out of stuff. Um, but we just think it's prudent to be prepared. But we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. And so, hopefully, when I'm... Um, in public, I'm conducting myself in a way where people will think, oh, there's something different about him. Um, I'm not sure that happens every time anyone has an interaction with me, uh, but hopefully the love of Jesus kind of pours through us and people see that. So I'm not sure I can articulate the balance between trusting God and being prepared um, in your own ways. Um, but for example, because we aren't about to run out of toilet paper. Um, we aren't panicking at the stores, as you've seen on TV, many people are, and they're cleaning out the, the Clorox wipes and the toilet paper and, and all that stuff is running out. Um, so it's, um, it is kind of a sense of um, security, that's a good word for it, yeah. So we do kind of have a sense of peace um, that some people might not have right now because we don't, um, we're not panicking about we're going to run out of this, that, or the other. Um, now, that doesn't mean that our sense of security comes from being prepared. Um, if lightning struck our house and everything burned down, um, all the extra this and that we have would be gone too. Um, and so ultimately, our security is in the Lord. Um, it's just seems... For what, uh, one example is uh, your tank of gas. Um, I've just gotten in the habit of not letting it get below half a tank. Part of it was my experience on that snowy night. I didn't fill up that day. Um, but part of that, because we don't live around the corner from a gas station, um, we just all, whenever we're in town, we fill up and then come back home. Um, that way, next time we need to go somewhere, it's not an emergency. Now I'm on empty, I need to stop and get gas. We have the option of not stopping if we don't need to. And so it's the same way with uh, our, next, our next week's menu or whatever. Um, if we wanted to plan out a few meals, we have the option of not having to go to the store and just plan to do meals based on what we've already got. We spoke to Tim right as the current crisis was beginning to look serious enough that things were shutting down in the U.S. and other hard-hit countries. 
He shared his outlook from the perspective of someone who thinks about such situations regularly. Um, I'm not an epidemiologist uh, by any means, and so um, I just have to trust that whatever, um, you know, whatever experts are being relied upon are giving good information. Um, it doesn't affect us that much in that we're prepared to stay at home um, for, well, maybe not as long as, as it takes, but for a while anyway. Um, I've heard anywhere from uh, two or three months it may take to kind of let the virus kind of uh, go away before people, before it's prudent to get together in large gatherings again. Um, and so we could do that if we need to. It is analogous to um, uh, how you interact with money. Some people tend to be more of a saver. Some people tend to spend everything. Um, I was that way when I was younger. I'm a little more prudent now um, in terms of being a saver. Um, but, but that does give you a level of security um, if you have an emergency fund saved up. If you lose your job or something happens, you have that to, uh, to get you through a few months. Um, and so we just think of, of having extra provisions as the same, the same kind of thing few extra cans of soup or beans or whatever it is. I think it would be great if more people um, kind of ended up with the mindset of, of, having a, of being a little more prepared for whatever disaster it might be. And you don't need to have a certain um, example in your mind, I'm preparing for X, Y, or Z. In fact, it may be better if you're not, because that might just cause anxiety. Um, but if you're prepared for a snowstorm, or a disruption of the supply chain because 18-wheeler tires aren't manufactured anymore, or whatever it is, or a global pandemic of a, of a virus going around. Um, if you're prepared, you're prepared. Do you enjoy listening to this podcast at Religion Unplugged? Then you might also enjoy reading the award-winning journalism on our website, religionunplugged.com. Sign up there for regular email headlines. Do you want to see more journalism about religion and public life, reported by journalists from around the world, from India to Kenya? Then donate. Support our work at that same website as well, religionunplugged.com. Self-sufficiency isn't only about individual or family safety. Here Tim talks about the importance of social networks and knowing your neighbors. Um, we really need community. It's always been that way, we need community. Um, so get to know your neighbors if you don't already know them. Um, you don't have to tell them uh, about all your supplies. In fact, it's probably better if you don't. But just start those conversations with them. And you may find um, that they think the same way. Or if they don't, you may uh, encourage them to start to think that way. So that when they run out of things, they're not coming knocking on your door. Because that's going to be an awkward conversation at that point. Yeah, what I hope will happen and what I think will happen are not the same thing. But um, So, yeah, so I'll address two things if I may. So I think it'd be great if people's um, mindsets shifted somewhat. And so, they, and so people wanted to be a little more prepared. Um, and probably with some people, they'll kind of have that um, moment where they, where they realize that they would like to be more prepared than they have been previously. Um, and many people may go right back to the same 
kind of level of maybe complacency that they used to have. Um, and that's not what I want for them, um, but I'm not their dad, so they can do what they want. I'm aware that there's this impression that some may have where if you've got six months worth of food in your house, um, the fact that you have that means that others can't have that. Um, but that's not really true. Um, for example, like I mentioned before, if we need um, three cans of soup and we buy four, um, that's not cleaning out the shelves. But if we do that, every time we need three cans, eventually we have extra. And that's just kind of how we've done it. Uh, we don't have a whole bunch of food that's stored away just for the emergency. We rotate it in. It's just that instead of having three cans on our can rack, so to speak, we have four or five cans. In fact, if I really thought Jesus was coming back tomorrow, I wouldn't need food for months. I'd only need food until tomorrow. Um, so, so, yeah, I don't know. And, and, and I kind of avoid um, going down that road with people because that only tends to, it seems like that tends to generate anxiety. And I don't want to be anxious and I don't want others to be anxious. And so what's going to happen is, is going to happen. Um, some of the things that I'm aware can happen, like a big snowstorm. I'm now aware that a global pandemic could happen. Um, there's probably a bunch of things that I haven't even thought of that could happen. Um, but again, my, my mindset is not to prepare for certain things. It's just to be prepared to some level in general. And whatever happens will probably be easier to get through. So what I hope will happen is that, is that people will um, tend to become a little more prepared. And what I think will happen is that most people will um, kind of think that way for a little while and then slide back into a, what I call a September 10th mentality. This is where Ty Day sits down and joins the conversation. Tim was saying that he sees something wrong with how common it is for parents to be eager for their kids to be in school. Wow, when will spring break be over so the kids can go back to school? It's just a heartbreak. It hurts me. There. It really hurts mm -hmm. me. Like, wow, you know, your kids, our kids, they just want to be with us. Mm -hmm. And um, and this is a so crucial time for raise a godly young people. And um, if you can just stay away from videos and technology, uh, I think they will have a better future. Yeah. But it really breaks my heart when they say, oh, I cannot never do that. I say, you could. The Lord will give you what you need. Now, our days are long, and some days goes great, we finish our lessons some get some days they don't. And uh, it does when you have to reach the heart of a child, okay, you know, let's call it off, let's go and play outside. Um, so um, I I'm excited for friends that they have kids at school because I know they haven't, they they're gonna be, you know, calling me, okay, what do you do? What are you doing, man? What are you you doing this? And I, I will say, you know, right now I will say just read to them. Play games, make cookies, do craft. Nature started this morning. I took the kids up to the hills. Beautiful. We just sat under the pine tree, and they just just can hear all everything just melting. They frost, and if we just stop in the blue sky and just see the trees, this snow blue and then green, and we're standing up, and like that's God is there. It's like I mean, for a child to just be still. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's kids yeah, they can be awesome. still. They cannot pay attention for three minutes because they there's something has to do like just be still. What do you hear? What do you smell? And you know, and they're like, 
first thing that's going on in my head, mommy, like, <laughs> okay, if that feels good, let's say, actually, it does. So it was great. It was just 15 minutes, but it was a great initiative, you know, yeah. this growing. And that's something they won't forget, mm-hmm. you know, and all this math and all these uh, curriculums, Shakespeare, they will forget going out with mommy and mm-hmm. and just standing under the tree. Mm-hmm. That's what they will remember. Yep. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah if anything, to have to just be, be at home to remove the noise, the... Yes. To figure out how do I, you know, wow, what's, what's, you know, it's almost like New Year's Day, you know, everybody, right. Christmas holiday, but especially New Year's, mm-hmm. more people go to the gym, you know, people make goals about their future, it really, you know, generates thoughts about yes. meaning yes. and purpose. You know. mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, hopefully people have a good time of reflection. Yeah. yeah. So, why you. Especially uh, if they lose internet access, man, they'll be oof. reflecting all over yeah. the place. Yeah, <laughs> you see a lot of people just. <laughs> That's the meltdown phase right there. <laughs> so that question that you had about mm-hmm. what do we do when you know people start getting crazy mm-hmm. and they probably know the people that live in the country we have we've been prepared because that's that's what they think is mm-hmm. you know they have the space because yeah. they have the space. Yeah, and people feel entitled so, um, <laughs> stuff too and you um, have way more than you should have more than you should have anyway you need to share you need to share yeah, yeah. so I don't want to say my husband is working I'm home with the kids I see driving you know some a, a wide van that they you know was pretty bad and it's just aggressive you know you you do have stuff you know what what do I do that I'm trained um, like him, not as well as he is, but if it comes as a life threat for my kids, I will respond and protect my my dear ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it will be sad that we can get to that point that I can have to yeah. get my gun and say, mm-hmm. you leave or I will shoot. Yeah. So, And part of living where we do is a step toward avoiding that. Right. Absolutely. Right. So... You know, thank you for asking us that, because that will probably make us, you and I have a a, a conversation and sit down. If this happened, what do you do? And so if, well, is my life um, worth it than the toilet paper? It is. <laughs> it is. But at some point, so how far do we go? You know, because once mm-hmm. you start giving them and people that right. we don't know. I'm talking about people that we just don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, with the neighbors, hey, you know, you have mm-hmm. goat milk, hey, here's a toilet paper, and we trade. Mm-hmm. I have a friend that this morning, we bought a cow, so I have plenty of beef. Mm-hmm. I said, I have che- I have eggs, so we can trade. Uh, I have lots of flour, beans, you know. So, you know, but those are the people in the body of Christ. But, mm-hmm. you know, like people that they're, they're desperate and... Mm-hmm. You know, um, the reality is that they don't know the Lord, so they carry not different spirits. I mean, that's black and white. Mm-hmm. So what what do you do? Like, you know, they're still creations of, of God. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to talk about it. If, if we get to the point that people get desperate and start driving into the, you know, country, knowing that we have, you know, chickens, we don't, but other, other um, neighbors yeah. have, and lambs, and... And that's another reason it's good to know your neighbors, because if something happens at the end of the road, it'd be nice to know that right away. 
This episode of the Religion Unplugged podcast was hosted by executive editor Paul Gladder and produced by Micah Danny. Special thanks to Religion Unplugged managing editor Megan Clark and podcast editor Peter Freebie. The Religion Unplugged podcast is a production of religionunplugged.com and is part of The Media Project, a global nonprofit dedicated to equipping journalists to cover religion. To read our award-winning global religion news coverage or to find out more about Religion Unplugged and The Media Project, visit religionunplugged.com or follow us on Twitter at religionmag.com.